What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who is on week two of his spring break, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. I think it was going to be three weeks, but now I think we actually reduced it to two weeks, didn't we? Uh, No, it's going to be three (laughs) weeks, but because of the way things turn out, while you and our son are going to be heading on a road trip in a few weeks, but our daughter and uh, son-in-law made it back from Eastern Washington and the house is full once again. And our refrigerator is jammed full of food leftovers. Right. And you know, I, I, gosh, you know, I just thought that the three weeks was supposed to be back to back, but they're even stretched out. Yeah. So, So we have this spring break that goes on for about a month long. Anyhow, things are good. It's great having family back and filling the fridge up and the chaos factor goes up when you have now all adults talking loud and acting like semi-children when they're back home comfortable in the house. I love that part of the spring breaks because, boy, it was the first night when our daughter and son-in-law came back that uh, the next son-in-law, the future son-in-law, he came over. Our daughter was up with them. Our son, of course, who can stay up all hours of the night, they just had a great evening. We went to bed earlier and they they stayed up to, to the very wee hours of the morning. A little less complete because our daughter in college uh, had to go back. She was spring break number one. So she is already back into the swing of things. And uh, she, it's just a real different experience having our oldest daughter who did uh, community college and then went away to school. Our current daughter you know, was choosing to be married this you know, summer, and we're preparing for that. Our third daughter is going to Catholic University. It can be difficult to help all of these young adults, each in their own station, to try to remember, okay, yes, we're going to talk wedding. Oh, yes, we're going to help you with your career. And then our daughter, boy, being at university, they struggle with different things. And, you know, as parents of adult children, we're really just, about bumpers, just kind of maybe helping them get back on track, but really they're powering themselves down their lanes. Not to sound foolish, but I will, because I think that we're experiencing their adulthood as differently as when they were children, because when they were children, we realized how different each of one of them was, not only in age, but in attitude and in and, and energy that still exists for the adulthood too. So yeah, whereas in fact, the other night, I just remember saying, okay, clear out. Dad needs, dad needs some introvert time just to re- recharge. And of course, as, and you, how you mentioned that we look at each one of our daughters and our son is an altogether different ball game, but we look at our three daughters and raised in the same household. They have the same parents. They basically wore the same clothes and they are so different from each other. And as you and I look to parent them in their adulthood, will we take into consideration their personalities of who they are now as an adult? You know, our oldest daughter, well, she has our whole set of ideas and the way we talk with her and help her look forward into her career, totally different than the way our daughter who is at uh, a Benedictine university and the stresses she goes with. It's a hard university. And she struggles a lot. 
we tend to take on that emotion too for them. Yeah. We hurt when they hurt. Yeah, and, and you, at this point now, recognize we can help them carry it. I look at this like Jesus carrying the cross and Simon comes mm-hmm. and helps him. That's kind of where we are in many ways with our children. We can help them carry the burden of life that they're trying to enter into as adulthood. But we we certainly have um, a responsibility not to carry it completely because they're growing with that cross. That they're and and maybe the cross isn't a, a fair um, analogy on this, but certainly the the adulthood responsibilities are a burden for anyone to grow into. And Scott, what is also so important to recognize when each of our children have troubles, depending on what the trouble is, depends on which parent they're coming to, Mm. right? Depending on what they need and they know what their needs are. When they need to walk it through logically, figure out how to get through a science course, to how to talk with people in administration, maybe even with those theological problems, they need logical talk to help them understand you're getting the text message. But if they just need arms wrapped around them, if they just want to maybe cry a little bit and just say, this hurts me so bad, I think I'm getting a lot of those Mm. messages where they just say, mom, I just need you to mom me and make me something to eat and love me. Dad, I need you to help me understand. I don't know what my next step is. I don't know how to make this phone call. It's that a beautiful way that we compliment each other that helps us to parent our kids. That's very, very true. And and how to keep Papa Bear in the box. When <laughs> I feel like my kids are being unjustly dealt with and I get all Papa Bear and I have to just say to myself, third person, just, just step back. They're going to figure this out. God's going to help us figure it out. But it's similar the way that our mother Mary is for us, how she just wants to love and lift us to her son, to place that mantle over us and to protect us and you know, to be there, to be that heavenly mother, to have the ear of her son with our own petitions. Well, that brings us to today's focus of the show. At the time that we are recording our show, it has not yet happened. But by the time this show is airing, it will be complete. Pope Francis will be consecrating Russia and peace in Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's a wonderful opportunity that the whole world is going to be participating in. Coming up, I have a wonderful opportunity in preparation for this event. I spoke with David Carolla. He is the executive director of the World Apostolate of Fatima. We're going to talk a little bit about what consecration means and this very special event that's about to happen for the whole world. And then after that, we want to just share with you some experience we've had with Fatima and with consecration as a couple. So stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew.
Time and again, we hear from grateful listeners who tell us their faith lives have been nourished by Mater Day Radio. We hope these wonderful testaments to our spirit-filled broadcast never cease. You can help ensure the future of our broadcast by naming Mater Day Radio as a beneficiary in your will or other forms of estate planning. By leaving a legacy to Mater Day Radio, you are supporting a gospel message of prayer and hope heard by thousands of listeners every day. Learn more about our estate planning options at materdayradio.com. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. Catholics from around the world have been asked to come together in their communities to pray in a special way for the consecration of Russia and Ukraine. Our Lady of Fatima named specifically that Russia be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart or her errors would be spread throughout the world. Well, in 1984, Pope John Paul II prayed that consecration. And joining me to kind of help us understand the original request of Our Lady and the need for this renewal is David Carollo, the Executive Director of the World Apostolate of Fatima. Good morning, David. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Brandon. Great to be with you. Well, David, the visions of Fatima way back 1917, and then John Paul II did the consecration in 1984. So why so long in between the initial visionary, Sister Lucia had talked of this, to when it was actually done, and now why a need to renew it? Well, I I think that is the question, why it it took so long. Our Lady mentioned it in the apparitions in 1917, but she said, I will come back and ask for that consecration. She did in 1929 to Sister Lucia. She appeared to her and asked, now is the time for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. So Sister Lucia brought that forth. And um, why did it take 55 years to be done properly? Well, I don't know. We can't really can't really say, but we can say this, that that it was attempted in that time to, this was during the pontificate of Pius XI, um, then Pius XII attempted to, uh, they did actually make a consecration in 1942, but he did not do it in union with all of the bishops of the world, which was the request. And Our Lady told Sister Lucia in another vision or another locution that the consecration was not done according to the request, but it had a positive effect and it did shorten World War II. Oh. So all consecrations do have a positive effect. He did again in 1952, but again, it was considered incomplete. Um, in, in 1982, St. Pope John Paul II attempted the consecration once again. That was the year after the assassination attempt, if you remember, then he went to Fatima and he did but then she also said there that that was not done properly. It needed to be done in accord with all the bishops of the world, at least by invitation to them. So in 1984, he did call for all the bishops of the world to join in the consecration, which he made uh, in, in the Vatican, the Vatican Square, with, with the statue that was brought from Fatima. And Our Lady said, to, Sister Lucia said that Our Lady said that that, that the consecration was accepted. Now, Keep in mind, from 1929 until 1984, that was 55 years. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she said, if you know, to keep Russia from spreading her errors, well, guess what? In 55 years, Russia spread her errors in a great, great way. 
Um, of course, right after that, you cannot deny the things that happened in the next five years, four to five years afterwards. The Berlin Wall came down. Uh, the, the communist flag came down. The Soviet flag came down over the Kremlin. Communism was outlawed in, in Russia. Right. So you have to really you have to see a divine hand in that. But I don't know if there's ever a statement that once a consecration is done, that perfection will come. The biggest factor we always have to remember, Brenda, is that, you know, Our Lady didn't say that the Holy Father will consecrate Russia and everything will be good forever. She didn't say that you have no more responsibility as people because now the job is done. No, that was never part of the deal. What it was is, you know, what does she ask of Fatima to the children and to us through them? Are you willing to offer your lives in prayer and reparation for the, for, for the conversion of sinners. Are you willing to offer your lives for that and live the Fatima message, you know, live the, according to the Gospels? And I think uh, that's the big question. Have we done that as a people? And I think it's a resounding no, we have not. So who's really to blame? Is it the Holy Father to blame? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a cop-out to say, only if the Pope had made this consecration differently. Um, I, I think it falls more on us, the fact that we have not. Okay. And if there is imperfection in what a Holy Father may have done, perhaps it comes from the lack of grace from us, because it's our job to merit that grace for these things to be done. David Carollo is the executive director of the World Apostolate of Fatima. He is joining <clears throat> us today to give us a little bit more insight and details as to the consecration happening by Pope Francis David, as I said, many parishes are coming together in their own communities. Bishops are coming together at the request of Pope Francis. Has there been a request or a reach from the Vatican and Pope Francis to our Eastern Rite brothers and sisters and the Orthodox community to also have them involved with this consecration? And is that an important part of the event? I believe that they have. I don't know that for a fact. I believe that the Vatican has reached out to the to the um, Orthodox Church. Of course, the Eastern Rite Catholic Churches are in communion with the Holy Father, so they would have received, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the information early on. Um, I think that's very important because what people don't realize sometimes they don't understand the Orthodox Church. Um, unfortunately, Christianity has been separated for half of its history. When you think about it, mm. I mean, it's been it's been almost a thousand years since the, the great schism of 1054. And, um, but there's one thing about the Orthodox churches, the Orthodox you know, faith of the Russians, the, the Greeks and all, is they maintained apostolic succession, which is not what happened in the Protestant world when they split from the Catholic church. They broke away from that. <clears throat> so their ministers and priests do not have that apostolic succession, where in the Orthodox church they do, which makes them valid bishops may not make them licit in the, in the, to the Catholic Church and to the Vatican, but they are certainly with, with the orders from the line of the apostles. Um, and I think that's very important. I mean, I, I believe that, um, you know, there is a unity that, that exists, even though it's amongst disunity, if you can get what I'm saying here, is there is a, obviously there is a, a, a great rift that, that, and unfortunately, you know, when you go on a parallel once you split, it don't go parallel lines. You kind of skew a little bit. And then every year you tend to separate more and more. Well, unfortunately, that's happened for close to a thousand years now. And um, but 
I, I just think that, you know, the essence of, of the faith, I mean, I think of Russia, for example, and it's a little disturbing, I guess, is the comments <clears throat> that Patriarch Kirill had said, you know, kind of endorsing the actions in Ukraine. Uh, and that's, that's going to cause some severe issues, I'm afraid, in their churches, in the Orthodox Church, between the Ukrainians and the Russians and others, you know, other communions there. But um, there is a, a sense of uh, their foundation is so similar to ours. For example, um, there was no country in the world with more oratories dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary than Russia. Wow. prior to the, the communist revolution. So it tells you, I mean, there is, you know, it is, that is a country that is still very special to Our Lady, despite what happened, despite where they went, okay? And I think that there, there is a, I don't know, I still believe that the conversion of Russia really has begun. Um, what you're seeing here, who knows? History will, will, you know, we'll certainly give a better picture of what we're, you know, witnessing here in this last month. Um, I think there is also, it's also reality that there are individuals, okay, individuals like Putin and others that, that you know, not everybody, I mean, do we have perfect leadership in our country? Oh, think about it. Okay. Yes, you know, right. <clears throat> my question is this to people, do we pray for these people? You know, it's easy to say, pray for the conversion of sinners. So you think of, yeah, I have a son or a daughter or a relative who's not. To, I got to pray for that person because I love them and I want them. And that's all just and beautiful. But do you pray for your enemies? And if you don't, then you're not really living that Christian way. You know, Christ forgave everybody from the cross. And when he forgave everybody from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I believe he was also talking about us. We're the ones who put him on the cross, not necessarily the, you know, yes, the men who physically did it, but we're the ones who caused it. He forgave us. That's why he, he did this. So can we do any less? You know, I mean, in the Our Father, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, if we don't forgive them, he's not going to forgive us. You know, we have to think of people like that. We have to pray for their conversion. If you have a politician in this country, and there are many you know, many who claim to be Catholic and really don't live by it. But do you pray for them that that spark will come back into them and bring them back to the faith? You know, now, do you pray for how many people have prayed for Putin today in this country? <laughs> I don't think too many. No, okay. sure. <laughs> think about it. You know, we pray for these people, not just pray that they be stopped in what they're doing, which, of course, you want. But you pray for their conversion. You pray for the conversion of sinners. When sinners are converted, the world becomes a beautiful place. And I think that's what we have to always consider. Oh, and convert all of us that we continue to turn back to the Lord, especially during this Lenten season. David Carollo is joining me today. He is the executive director of the World Apostolate of Fatima. Well, David, you've been talking about what is our role, and we know that Pope Francis has called on all of us to pray on Friday, to participate in whatever way we can. But right. beyond Friday... What are our responsibilities? We can't just say, you know, just be that that Easter Christmas Catholic, show up once and then say, well, I did my part. There must be more that needs to be done beyond Friday. Well, I think living the Fatima message and the big part of living the Fatima message right now is fulfilling the first Saturday's devotion, because that has not been fulfilled. I think that is the biggest thing I, I truly believe when enough people have 
really, really fulfilled or attempted to fulfill the, the, the request of the first Saturdays, you will, you will see this, this triumph of the Immaculate Heart that we've been promised. God doesn't necessarily have a date, okay, on, you know, on, on April 21st of 2034, it's going to happen. Well, you know, I don't think that's it. And why are the first Saturdays so important? Because you're making reparation. God wants, and he told her directly, told Sister Lucia, he wants reparation made for the blasphemies against Our Lady. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you so much. And we join our prayers here on the West Coast with yours on the East Coast and together around the world. We pray for Our Lady's mantle to be just placed upon the whole of the earth and brought to her. And to her uh, son. one more comment I'd like to make is um, uh, Archbishop Sample is a great friend of this apostolate. Mm-hmm. And we've been we've known him well. We've been out there for events. He's been with us to our hotel retreat center, Domus Pachas in Fatima. During the centennial year, and we just, we, we're just very, you're very honored to have a bishop like that. Oh, so. thank you so much. <laughs> we feel so very blessed to have our shepherd, yes. Archbishop Sample, leading the Archdiocese of Portland. David, thank you again so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you, Brenda. It was great. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Such a momentous event. And again, as I said in our first half, the time that you and I are recording, it has not yet happened. But now that we know, Friday evening, that consecration has been complete. It was a wonderful opportunity that I had to talk with David in preparation for the consecration. And the whole time he was speaking, especially of Our Lady of Fatima, it just takes me back to that precious one day that we spent at the shrine of Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal. No doubt, when we stepped onto the grounds of that shrine, she was there and her holiness was there. Yeah, it was a ordained day for us, and we spent the entire day there. And just all of the components of Mary's intercession, as we talked about in the first half about our kids and trying to be there for our kids, we certainly felt that when we stepped on the grounds at Fatima, that Mary was there for us to, to lead us more fully to her son. And I pray that every day since then. Lead, Mary, help me walk with your son today is my prayer. And I feel that came from an outgrowth of Fatima. The, our, we get some of our greatest insight through risking to pilgrimage, truly. And I think that's when we went there on our 30th anniversary, yeah, it was marking this great, for us, moment of celebrating our 30th anniversary, but it was more than that. It was it was really uh, opening us up to uh, to a new reality in our marriage and not to not least of which was the the great miracle of your your healing that i i know was part of that i just am convicted now when we were there too and the and the grounds are vast and there's a main parking lot but there are entrances all around the shrine uh depending on where you came in it just so happened that for you and i 
as we took those steps onto the grounds, we grabbed the prayer guide that was going to be our prayer for the day at the different posts. Right there, we saw confessions. And before we said the very first prayer of the day, we went downstairs into that beautiful area where in multiple languages, there were priests ready to hear confessions. That's a way to make reparations, to have that confession. And then, boy, I think ever more so were we able to pray that day at Fatima to have our petitions for all of the people that prayers we took with us. Boy, it was definitely a blessed day. And I think Dave was just an incredibly intelligent um, man. And to hear him talk about this and make the connections that consecrations are not absolutes. I thought that was so beautiful the way he described that. And there's so much roiling around. Well, what did what did St. John Paul II do or didn't do in the consecration of 84? And all, all of that, you know, it, it's not that God operates in absolute ways. And yet we have a tendency to want to box God in. Hey, it, it was done. No, Mary calls us back and says, well, you can do, you can do more. You can do more. And mm. I think that's what we, we do as parents. We encourage our children as they become the full adult that, that God has, has called them to be. You can do more and we can help you. But you're an adult and, and you have to make your own decisions and it has to be your decision. But we can help you to do more. And I think that's what Mary is doing for us. Since Fatima, she's helping us do more. And this consecration is that step even further. It needs all of us, not just the Pope, not just the bishops, not just the priests. It needs all of the people of God who can bring a prayer to the table on Friday. And that's what happened today. God willing, that's our hope is that was enough for what Mary is asking us to do at this point. And she may come back and ask us to do more in the future. Mm. And that's, that's entirely God's will. But being obedient to that is what our call is at this time. And I think it's just beautiful that prompted by the bishops of Ukraine, that the world is coming together to say this as a result of that ask. How, how genuine, how authentic that ask is in the midst of their suffering right now that we can see. And we can be a part of alleviating that through our prayer 10,000 miles on the other side of the world. Oh, absolutely. It's the way that we are universal, for sure. And during the Lenten season, too, to be able to do this, because, well, we've been through Lent before. This is not our first Lent. We are not neophytes in the church. And yet, every Lent, we are called to renew, to come back to the faith, come back to the gospel, you know, come back to Mary. You know, as you and I talked about in our opening segment about being parents, we are constantly called to renew our commitment to each other and renew that to our children. And every year, it looks a little bit deeper. And every year, boy, it definitely gets deeper with our children and their relationships. And we're not done. We're not done. We're always called to renew that commitment to them and to care for them in new different ways. Yeah, it's the journey that we've spoken of so many times before. It is the salvific act of God in our lives from our baptism. If we were baptized at birth, that we've been saved, we're being saved, and we hope to be saved. And all of that is turning our attention and our efforts to God to the best of our ability. And that gets better if in community we have a community that focuses on making 
what's necessary for that to be better. And that's, that's the beauty of Lent. It's to turn back from all of the distraction and focus, rejoice in the Lord. That is the good thing to do in our life. Good, right, and true. And even with the beauty of what we as a Catholic Church universally can do in a special prayer of consecration, we always know that our Lord is telling us, and yet you have no idea what I have waiting for you. The best is still to come. Amen. Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer? Yes. Lord, we, like children, come to you excited in this moment and also a little scared as children, not knowing what will come, but trusting in your mother who spreads her mantle over us and following her as you did. We trust that you will come to lead us to the place that you desire us to be, and that is at peace and joy with you and with all those who carry forward your discipleship as followers of Christ. We ask for your strength this time. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and keep strong this life. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.